Welcome guys to the Trying Podcast. My name is Nanini and on this podcast I'll be sharing with you the steps that I'll be taking to try and get over my fears and get out of my comfort zone. Hi, this is the second time I'm pressing record because the first <laughs> the first time was just awkward and my my tongue could not speak. I just couldn't speak. I kept I kept mumbling. So anyway, it's January 16th on Tuesday at 3 in the afternoon. And today I'm giving myself at least 1 hour to study this because I don't think it's going to be like a deep study. I have uh verses that I I know I want to to study. These are verses I've never read. <laughs> Nehemiah there are verses I've never read I've heard about them I've heard people talk about them preach about them read them but I've personally never went to these verses to read so I'll do that and I'm following this thread of the the letter Chet the eighth Hebrew letter and it's meaning it means fence I studied how it it it, it means fence like a fence or a wall a tent wall or a uh, a hedge or a gate right because it looks like a door like the symbol itself looks like a door so um all these connections when it comes to a tent tent is connected to the tabernacle the threads i have right now so far through the studies i've been studying when i hear tent and it's the bible immediately i'm like wait where is the first tent that i like the what's the like major tent that i can remember of course of course um ibrahim had were building tents or sleeping in tents but like the major major tent is the tabernacle the tent the tent of meeting so when i hear tent and it's about uh, that's that's where my mind goes right so a tent wall i'm imagining oh okay so there were also instructions given to moses and aaron aaron and the priests on how to build right the tabernacle so when i hear tent wall i'm imagining okay okay if i'm trying to understand like the depths of these words again i'm not that's not my intention my intention is not to force things but i'm i'm open i'm open to learning not learning everything but just to learning because the holy spirit will, will help me with the discernment part and so i've come to see like okay tent wall okay that's connected to like either the curtains that were connected with the hooks and everything else to form like to form the actual chambers right so the walls of the tabernacle before it was built um by Solomon king Solomon with actual bricks they were actually clothes like a they were tent right they were tent tent walls and so that comes to mind when i think of the letter khet and then in the previous study Look at me forgetting the name. <laughs> Let me check, because <laughs> I'm giving myself one hour at least today to to like um, summarize my thoughts. He is him. 
but from the bridegroom study from the study actually desire and then after that i in december 19th i published bridegroom of blood and then crossover on the 27th and then january 2nd i published wall of fire and then last week january 9th i published he is him right because i was talking about um the glory the glory of god and i was talking about like the chamber the bridal chamber and all these things are pointing to christ of course because christ himself even in luke 24 reveals to his disciples that the entire hebrew bible was pointing to him was talking about him was revealing because even even jesus asked the pharisees like you guys you go and search the scriptures looking for life but true life i'm paraphrasing true life is literally right here can't you interpret the times i'm literally the life i am the way the truth and the life life is right here with you and you can't perceive it you can't perceive it even when you and even when you read moses because he's telling the moses wrote about me but you want nothing to do with me right so i i don't i stopped feeling like um, you know I would hear people talk about like it's not it's not advisable every time you go to the Hebrew to the Old Testament to just see Jesus. Don't just go into the Old Testament. I'm trying to speak like other people. Don't just go reading the Old Testament and just seeing Jesus. No, understand the context, understand. I'm like I get that. I just don't want to be a scholar. My point is I don't want to like get points for understanding history. I actually want to understand the message. That's literally what Jesus was telling telling the Pharisees. You want to be scholars. You want to be known. You can recite the words and in Hebrew and what it means and all you want to do is just learn the knowledge for knowledge's sake just so that you can pile up the the degrees and, you know, be called doctor so and so whatever. And Jesus is saying, "Mm-mm. Mm-mm." That's not why God commanded these um, words to be written down. The word is life. The word itself is life. And Jesus Christ, the word himself, he came to tabernacle. I'm tying it back to the tent of meeting. Jesus tabernacled among his people. The word became flesh. And so the word is telling them you're reading the word the text itself but you you don't want the bread you don't want the meat you don't want the substance you just want the accolades the you know the claps from the people and so I don't have been intentional with myself to remind myself and for God to remind me <laughs> I've been intentionally listening to when God reminds me, Nanini, you're not here for a Bible study just so that you can get points on your consistency um pursuit because <laughs> I do I really do want to be public to be consistent in publishing. And God is like, "Okay. I mean, that's good. That's a good way to discipline yourself. But I don't want to read a like this is what I feel God is telling me. I don't want you to read my word just so that you can say you've published an episode. No. I'd rather you not even publish anything, but but search, seek and find me. Knock and the door will be opened. 
God wants to reveal the depths of himself to us, right? We're told that the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God, reveals the depths of Christ, the mind of Christ, the depths of God. Because he is God. Who else can reveal the depths of God if not his own spirit himself? So that's what I want. I want to know the depths of God. The truth. The truth is a person, is a being. Wisdom is a being. Nini, um... So that's my point. <laughs> so when I was studying these these previous um, studies that I published, I was realizing, oh, okay. So even while I'm studying this head thing and the chambers, when I come to study and I hear like people telling me, teaching me, because again, I'm learning, they're, tell, they're saying like, oh, actually the meaning of this head has been, it means offense, offense. And then I remember, oh, wait, I did study that God is going to be the wall of fire around Zion, the bride, his bride. God is the bridegroom. Yahweh is the bridegroom, not just any God. Yahweh. Because there are many fake bridegrooms, wannabe bridegrooms, and there are many fake and wannabe brides. Babylon is a wannabe bride. Rome is a wannabe bride in the Bible, right? These cities, and the city is life. Like, um... When I say the Babylon, I don't mean actual buildings. I mean the people of Babylon. The collective, the, the body called Babylon. Like right now, Kenya is a body. Kenya is a she, right? We, we refer to Kenya as in, the, in a feminine um, way, you know. Kenya has become productive. She is, you know, we have those languages when referring to cities, um, when referring to countries. Um, I think organizations, mostly we just use it, but th they're still bodies. That's why even in organizations we say like, this is the something body. Like this is a, say what, sanitization body. And it's a group of people who are a collective so whenever there's a collective, there's a spirit. There's a it's an embodied spirit. It's a, it's embodied. So what was I talking about? <laughs> oh, I was talking about God, the depths of God. I was talking about oh Zion. Yes. The perfect bride and the perfect bridegroom. So the wall of fire, Yahweh. That's what I was saying. Yahweh is the true bridegroom. But then Baal, because I was studying the Aleph letter a while back. When was that? Mastery? Yeah, because it was starting to be like mastery or based over turn 11th hour. During those studies, I, I started studying about the bull, the Aleph, right? That has an ox head. But then we see the Pavajan. Alex is like the number one. And the number one is tight ahad, ahad, right? The union um, is tied to God, Yahweh, being ahad. Jesus saying, uh, the Father and I are ahad, are one, right? So this Aleph thing is connected to the number of God. And so, of course, when to pavat God then and what represents if there's anything that Anything used to represent God 
the devil perverts it and twists it. So the ba- Baal is a bull, right? And in many ancient cultures, it's not just like the, uh, the cow is like a beautiful animal to look at. I mean, everything God made, he said it was good. Because um, of my Instagram algorithm has been <laughs> invaded and I love it. But like animal images, I've been just um, looking at nature. And so, of course, the algorithm has just been piling, piling those pictures and i'm like oh my god there's so many things so many beautiful things that i will never ever even know exist but they're just there they're just there they're animals people are discovering right now other animals people thought they were extinct but then like the world is insane god is so creative so this perfect god of course the um the serpent wants to take God's place. Ezekiel chapter 26, right? Or is it 24? Or is it 28? The guardian cherub, king of Tyre. So Babylon is, is this wayward woman, is pointing to the wayward woman narrative that I had been studying in the... In season seven, when it comes to like um, contagion, tipping point, triggered, clear the decks, those, those studies, and I realized, okay, there's the virtuous woman and the wayward woman. There's the virgin and there's the prostitute. There, like there are these things that are pointing, and a prostitute can be redeemed. The prostitute can be redeemed. She's given a chance, like Rahab. That's she was an actual prostitute, but. Even the prostitute is pointing to like anyone who falls off and chooses to marry, to sign a contract with the false bridegroom, you become part, like even me, I can choose, I can, with my, with the choice that God has given me, free will, I can either choose to be the the virtuous woman or the wayward woman or the virtuous man. Or the wayward man, right? So anyway, all this to say, <laughs> I have been on this thread. God has been guiding me to study these threads about him being our all in all. Colossians chapter 1 verse 15 is the son, S-O-N, the son of God, the son, Christ, is the image of the invisible God, right? The rule of all creation. He He Everything in creation was created by him, through him, for him, in him. There's nothing that exists that cannot that can exist outside of God. Because the Son is God. Even first even John chapter one talks about the word became the um in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. He was with God in the beginning and everything that exists was created through him for him. The same language. So Christ saying that you can only experience eternal life, not only through me, but in me. Makes a hundred percent sense. <laughs> makes all the sense. Because if everything was created through Christ and by Christ and in Christ, that's why he can call himself life. 
So when you separate yourself from God, from Christ, you're dead. You die. But when you are one, Echad, with Christ, you live eternally because he is the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. He has no end. So you also will have the eternal life. And then you, that's... Oh, wow. Something has just popped in my head. Again, I don't know if I've ever thought about this. So if Christ is a perfect bridegroom and his bride has life in him, that makes a lot of sense why Eve came from Adam. The bride comes from the bridegroom. And even Paul even says, like, actually the man was created first. But he also continues and says, like, like how God is so perfect that you even find the man coming from the woman eventually because of birth, right? There's that cycle as well. But who came, f- like, anyway, the thought that Christ is the perfect bridegroom, the bridegroom, and his, and Jerusalem, his church, his bride, is his bride, right? So Adam and Eve, Adam was created first, right? And Eve was not created outside of Adam, was not created, she was created through Adam, from Adam. She was in Adam. And for the man and woman to live, for the bride to be sustained, they need to be one, echad, just like Jesus, for the bride of Christ to be sustained. She needs to be one with Christ, in Christ. So for Eve to be sustained, they need to be one. That's why Adam can say, for you are bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh. You shall be called woman because you came out of man, right? I'm trying to remember. And then he also says that this is the reason why a man will leave his father and mother and be united, joined he will be joined with his bride and they become one, ehad, one flesh. This is beautiful, right? That's a neat thought. Okay, for today's episode, I'm really, really trying for this to be one hour, honestly. 18 minutes in. Okay, okay. Let me focus. So today's episode, I'm also talking about the fence or the chamber because in the last episode, I... I was looking into the chamber. You see how the letter het, the Hebrew letter het, looks like a gate to a, a room, right? It's, it's tied to a fence. It's tied to a wall. Um, but also, I studied verses where we've seen, I think, Psalms and also Song of Solomon about, oh, I think even Joel actually have this button right here just just i feel like if i start going back to this note i'll take even more time (laughs) and i'm trying to help my mind to remember okay it's fine it's fine it's fine i found them so there I, i had written i want to explain this 
chamber thing because I think also today I'm going to touch on that a little well not really exactly but I'm leaning also on the fence and the wall that's the topic for today so to finish up on this chamber thing I studied Psalms chapter 19 verse 5 where it says like who is like a bridegroom a hatan right who is like a bridegroom coming out of his chamber right and rejoices like a strong man to run its race anyway Zechariah chapter 2 verse 5 when it comes to the wall of fire for I declares the Lord will be a wall of fire around her around her so the woman is inside is covered completely surrounded by the man so she's inside so God is saying Yahweh is saying I will be a wall of fire around her around Zion his bride and I will be the glory in her midst I talked about this in these the the previous like the wall of fire I talked about that in the wall of fire episode so anyway today I want to talk about building the fence because in the last episode I talked about how I think I shared some dreams too maybe about the chicken and how they were laying so many eggs and the eggs would hatch and it's like I was trying my very best to gather up these tiny tiny chicks that were in this dream and I realized like they need a safe place right there's there's fruitfulness I can see the fruitfulness I can see the multiplication but it needs to be surrounded by a wall a fence and I think God has been guiding me about talking to me about building or rebuilding. Same thing to me right now because it's still building <laughs> or repairing, right? Building, rebuilding, repairing. Because in today's verses, and I'm going to mostly focus on Nehemiah chapter 1. Honestly, in my notes, actually, this was, I started off by asking myself a question about fasting. And maybe this will be a study for next week. I don't know if I'll touch on it right now. I honestly don't know. But this is the question. I've been like, okay, God, you've been talking to me about fasting, true fasting, about what I'm consuming at the table. At what table? Where? Which table am I at? Right? Am I at Christ's table or... or Am I dining at a demon's table? All these things. Like what am I consuming? For a long time now. I think since season 7. The beginning. The very beginning. And also bef- even before that. God has been telling me. To put down my phone. And I think that's pointing to this. Fasting thing. It's like. I'm consuming too much of my own, my algorithm, right? (laughs) I'm consuming too much of the online world that I'm not producing. I'm doing more consuming than producing. I know that now. I've been knowing that. But... I still, I think I I asked, I think I mentioned in one of my episodes, the studies that 
I still have no idea. Uh, let me take that back. Not I don't have an idea. I still don't have a complete understanding of why deny myself of physical food. Like food. Like the phone I can understand. Maybe let me let me actually think through this. The phone I'm consuming content. Okay. So if God tells me to put down my phone, not for like forever, to just create boundaries and and mm, instead of me relying on it every minute and every hour of the day it's like it's my master right i should master it it's about mastering right i should master time i should master how i am taking advantage of the fact that i actually have a phone master my presence online anyway i think i think that's right mastering it not just denying myself of it forever but i should learn to to i should know how to to take to to use it in doses so i'm tying this to fasting because it's something i'm consuming and something that god has been clearly telling me to put it down so if i connect that to food and why? There are reasons, right? It's negatively affecting me. It's not benefiting me. And that's not... I'm not productive. I'm not fruitful. I can't multiply if all I'm doing is just consuming, consuming. And I'm not just consuming good things. I'm just... <laughs> I'll get food poisoning. <laughs> so, when I tie that to food... I'm not a person who actually eats a lot... So that's why I can't like tie it down to like when I deny myself of a meal I like or just breakfast or lunch or supper. With God, I'm consuming this meal that nourishes me, right? Like actual food. I consume my breakfast, my lunch and my supper and it nourishes my body. <gasps> Actually, and I've had people say this, but of course, just because I hear people say something doesn't mean... I understand it. So I think it's about the spiritual body. Aki, I've had this so many times. But again, I think this is a step I'm taking. I've always thought about my physical body. Like, what does that have to do with anything if I deny my body of food? Yes, I'll feel hungry. So is that kahanga, that frustration moment, that the sometimes like the kahedek, the... <laughs> But I feel is that a moment for me to like pray or whatever like and I don't like doing things just because I'm being told to do something I like understanding why I'm doing something so that I can be accountable to my choice I wouldn't want to be in a place where I'm like I'm just following the crowd whether it's a crowd from a religious crowd or anything I don't I don't like being a blind sheep I'd rather be a sheep who actually knows where I'm being led to, right? I know, I know, like, okay, I can trust whoever is leading me. And I'm aware I'm actually being, I'm choosing to be led, like, I'm choosing to follow. 
that's a proud sheep that's me sheep in the big city <laughs> okay 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 um so now if i see fasting as a spiritual thing because i keep on saying nanini you don't live in a physical world you live in both physical and a spiritual world right so meaning your body is both is tied or is it the body is flesh but the soul okay so fasting does something to the soul i'm thinking through this i'm not making statements i'm actually just thinking my thoughts out loud so if fasting does something to the soul the same way me denying of my so what does it do if i deny myself of these many hours i spend on my phone online i can be productive i can grow i can okay okay it's like a delayed gratification it's like i'm building resilience it's i'm repairing that's why i was that's why i was thinking about fasting and building i think fasting builds the soul or the spirit those things there's a building that happens and that's why i didn't i wrote it down I wrote down the verses I know about fasting, Matthew 17 and Mark chapter 9 and also Isaiah 58, my go-to verses about true fasting, Isaiah 58 and also Isaiah 59 was a verse that I wanted to study. But I wrote them down just as, if I write this down every time I open this, like I'll, I'll be more likely to think about it more right and study about it but i didn't know what fasting has to do with building so maybe that's that's a step i think that's what fasting does and maybe that's why when god says about true fasting in 58 let me actually read 58 because i'm I'm talking about fasting. Isaiah 58. Let's see what this has to do with the spirit or the soul. The building of the spirit or the soul. Because I wrote down here from verse 12. God is talking about rebuilding ancient ruins. And it's immediately after he talks about true fasting. So Isaiah 58, cry loudly, do not hold back, raise your voice like a trumpet and declare to my people their transgression and to the house of Jacob their sins. Yet they seek me day by day and delight to know, delight to know my ways as a nation that has done righteousness and has not forsaken the ordinance of their God. They ask me for just decisions. They delight in, my, in the nearness of God. Why have we fasted and you do not see? Why have we humbled ourselves and you do not notice? Behold, on the day of your fast, you find your desire and drive hard all your workers. Behold, you fast for contention and strife and to strike with a wicked fist. You do not fast like you do today to make your... Let me actually just... This is NASB. Let me go to NIV. Mm-hmm. Verse 2. No, not verse 2. Verse 3. Why have we fasted, they say, and you do not see it? Why have we humbled ourselves 
and you have not noticed, yet on the day of your fasting you do as you please and exploit all your workers. Your fasting ends in quarreling and strife and in striking each other with wicked fists. You cannot fast as you do today and expect your voice to be heard on high. This is the kind of fasting I have chosen. Only a day for people to humble themselves. So hum- uh, humility is not a physical thing. It's not like if I put my if I lower down my arms and maybe I bend this way or I kneel in this way or I look at a person this way, that is humility. No, humility is a spiritual thing. It's a spirit thing. It's action based also, but what Jesus said, like, it's always from the heart. The mouth speaks what the heart is full of. So your actions prove faith without action is dead. Faith without work is dead. So God is saying, the fasting that I require is a only a day for people to humble themselves. Oh, okay. Oh, God is asking. Oh. But then the humble God is talking about his physical, right? Is this a fast? Is this verse 5? <laughs> I had read this all wrong. But I think the understanding is somewhere on Apple. Like, maybe. Okay, let me see. Is this a kind of fast I have chosen? Only a day for people to humble themselves? Question mark. Is it only for bowing one's head like a reed and for lying in sackcloth and ashes? This reminded me of something. I saw in my notes, my thread that I sent myself on WhatsApp, I asked myself a question that I don't know if I'll think about. Maybe I'll just ask this question right now. Maybe June in the future you can think about this. I remember asking myself, when people fast and they put on and they were putting on sackcloth and like you know these tattered things does the sackcloth point to like garments of skin you see how adam and eve it's like fasting is also tied to repentance in a way i mean most of the times it's also tied to repentance not every time but sometimes um, 50-50 maybe, 80-50, I don't know, 80-20, I don't know. Because <laughs> I was like, there are, pe- there are times people don't fast to repent. They fast to, like, I don't know, I don't know. Anyway, this is my point. When Adam and Eve sinned, they saw that they were naked. They, have, they were vulnerable. But they knew they had wronged God. So to cover their nakedness, both spiritual, although they couldn't do that spiritually, but to cover what they now realize they want to get, when they, to cover themselves, they covered themselves with fig leaves. They had a covering, a garment, like a covering. But then what God did later on, before chasing them out of the garden, he covered them with animal skin, garments of skin. That's why I'm asking. Is it like a thing in the Bible? Is this a thread that is tied to the garments of skin? That sackcloth is like pointing us back to like Adam and Eve. We feel naked. We feel 
um, like we feel naked. That's is fasting tied to like uncovering. Because I'm thinking about it even when it comes to building. If if in my study today I was asking myself, can I build my house by fasting? Does fasting help to build or rebuild or repair me, the house? And I think yes, it does. Fasting acts as a coloring. Because I'm building, I'm building a wall, right? I'm building a fence. I'm building a a, a, a hedge of protection. I'm building, like, I think it's tied to that. Because a sackcloth is a covering as well. Like it's a covering. But it's like a torn down, weathered, dusty covering. Because it's also you apply ash. And ash is dust. Well, burnt. It's like barney. Ash. What is ash connected to in the Bible? It's a dead. It's a part of something that is no longer alive. It has no life, right? Because when you, when you burn wood... The ash, you can't grow ash. But when you cut a tree, you can like um, transplant or like um, grow the stem. You can grow a tree from a stem, from the, from the branch. But you, when you burn the, the wood, you can't grow. Ash, I think, symbolizes death. Ash points to... To, I think it points to death, to when a to infertility, when a land cannot produce. It's not soil; it's like soil, but it's not soil. This is me thinking. So, future Nanini, take note. Maybe think. Or research and see if you can find something connecting ash and like death. Because people would put on sackcloth and apply ash on themselves. That's why I'm tying fasting to like you're mourning a death. It's like you're mourning, you're grieving. Because to repent. Meaning you're taking a turn, right? You're turning into a... Like people say, turning turning a new leaf. Let me Google. Turning a new leaf meaning. To turn a new leaf means to start over, to act in a different manner or change your attitude about something. So it's newness. It's the, It's a new beginning. Repentance is like the crossing over to a new beginning. It's what you have to do to to then start off the fresh. So if fasting is tied to repentance, meaning you're dying to the old, death, the ash and the sackcloth, the garments of skin, 
I think so. Because I think that's why I'm tying this the fasting to like crossing over. Because before you build I don't know. Because I don't want to make up my own things. I don't think I'll continue with fasting right now. Let me go back to Nehemiah. Because fasting requires me to like actually think. <laughs> and I'm 40 minutes in and I don't think I'll make it to the one hour thing. But I want it, I want this to be like less than two hours. <laughs> hmm. But I've written down building by fasting. Question mark. Can I build by fasting? And I think I can because if I'm crossing over from the wilderness, death, a land where that smells like carcasses, the stench of death is in the wilderness. And it's like fasting is, a, it's a way of crossing over to like the new land, the newness. after repentance it's like new creation Canaan, the promised land from wilderness to the promised land because we want God to speak to us while we are fasting, right? we want to we are fasting from something old we don't fast so that we don't fast into something new like we don't Fasting is not like, oh my god, I want to try out this new meal. So fasting is me eating this this meal as many times during the day so that I can get used to it. No. You're actually letting go of what is the old, of the old. You want to, it's like leveling up. It's, a, it's like, no, it's, it's the ladder. Fasting is like the ladder to leveling up. It's like a crossing over. It's like a bridge. I'm thinking about this. Again, these are not like statements, statements to go by. This is actually me thinking through, thinking out loud. So if I can, if I'm thinking that I can build by fasting, Isaiah, let me go back to Isaiah. God is saying, verse 4, your fasting ends in quarreling and strife. This is Isaiah 58, verse 4. And in striking each other with wicked fists. So God is talking about the physical. You guys are seeing fasting as a physical thing. You know, humbling yourself in a way of like your clothes and everything, right? So God says, you cannot fast as you do today and expect your voice to be heard on high. Is this the kind of fast I have chosen? Only a day for people to humble themselves? Is this only for bowing one's head like a reed and for lying in sackcloth and ashes? Is that what you call a fast? A day acceptable to the Lord? Is not this the kind of fasting I have chosen? To loose the chains of injustice. So I'm remembering, okay. God is spirit. So the ultimate thing on how to be a hard one with God is through the spirit. So fasting should be a spiritual renewal thing. It's like a change. It should change my heart. It's a heart change. It's um, the desires of my heart 
that is what God deems as true fasting when I am focusing on putting down the desires of my heart and allowing God to renew, renew, newness to renew the desires of my heart. So that so God was talking about physical things. These guys were seeing these guys. It's like oh, I am one of them, and so are you. <laughs> anyway, the Israelites were seeing fasting in a very physical, literally a physical way, right? If I do this, if I do this, if I tick this box, tick this box, I'm good on, with God's eyes. And they're like, oh, God, you owe us. You literally owe us. Like, how dare you? not see us fasting jeez we ticked all the boxes and god is like no it's all about the heart so everything god is saying it's all about the heart because even jesus says whatever your heart is full of your mouth will speak it your actions actions speak louder than words because even the the speaking you you have to put put into practice those words right from the heart to your mouth to your feet i don't know action to produce you produce action so god is narrowing down on our hearts when it comes to true fasting so he's saying is not this verse six is not this the kind of fasting i have chosen to loose the chains of injustice and untie the cords of the yoke to set the oppressed free and break every yoke. Is it not to share your food with the hungry? That's tying back to like pride and like um, selfishness. So it's all about the heart. And to provide the poor wanderer with shelter. So the one who's not part of your clique, part of your group. God is like, you know, you're supposed to welcome the stranger. Interesting. It's very interesting. <laughs> interesting because I've been st- I'm saying interesting because I, I have also been studying about circumcision and how it's like cutting off the strange the foreign it's tied to like cutting off the strange quote unquote like cutting off and if you're not of if you're not part of Gen- uh, Genesis When God is talking to Abraham about the circumcision, he says like anyone who's not circumcised is going to be cut off. That's the cutting off language of circumcision, right? So when it comes to the body, because I was talking about like how the children, the nation of Israel is is the body. Oh, wow. Is the body, a.k.a. the bride. The bride is the body. The body has a, a spirit. And then I'm just from reading how Zachariah, God says he'll be the glory within her. So so for my heart to be renewed, God needs to be in me. He is the wall, but he's also the glory in me. Okay, I really feel that sometimes I repeat myself. I mean, I do that, but I'm talking about repeating myself like this because I'm thinking like I think I re- I I I talked about this in one of the episodes I did, 
but when it comes to like revelations like let me not say like i think that just kuna like in anikonganga in many levels <laughs> so if i had already come to this like a conclusion and it like blew my mind even in some episodes before don't mind me because i forget i'm a human being it's like god has to remind me every single time like sis this is the truth this is the truth understand this understand this let this sink in let this sink in. so anyway so god is saying about true fasting verse 7 is it not to share your food with the hungry and to provide the poor wanderer with shelter i was talking about the poor wanderer the stranger the foreigner and i remember like hmm interesting i remembered about the circumcision right because it's interesting because again when god tells abraham if you're not one if someone is not circumcised he's not one of my people he's not joined with me again god is the bridegroom and his people is his bride the body and so there's a joining being one with god there's still that understanding and so god is saying the strange meaning the strange is not tribal god is not about tribes god is not about races skin colors and everything god is not about um languages god is not god does not discriminate he created everything so to god everything is good right again i'm just from i'm remembering my instagram feed and the explore page and how there's so much diversity diversity with god's creation within god's creation so much it's so diverse and beautiful it's not bland at all like it's amazing so when god says anyone who's not circumcised later on we even see that god is saying even those among you working among you the slaves yeah those who you are giving work they also need to be circumcised and understand this god had told the, the israelites you should not enslave your own people that's not a practice i want you to do i want you to to practice but god was like if you already have somebody working with you treat them like one of you treat them like one of you if they are circumcised they become one of my people then they are one of my people that's why when i read the when i listen to the the loud internet and i come across spaces where people are just so hateful against other groups of people and i'm like and they claim to be christians or like they claim a part of the bible they claim a part of a the bible history they claim they just want to be connected to the to the god of the bible in one way or another but they just they're just so they're not loving at all it's a clique thing it's an us against them and i'm like i don't know which god of the bible you're reading 
these Israelites, when God talks about Israelites in the Bible from the time they leave Egypt, there's an understanding that, yes, there are the 12 tribes, but also understand among the Israelite clique group that God, that were, that God protected with a cloud of, with a cloud in the morning and the, and the pillar of fire, there were also Egyptians and other foreigners who came from Egypt and joined the Israelites. From then on, the Israelites were traveling. They met people. They fought. They did everything. Like they, in, they, um, they came. They uh, in Itwaje, like they were. They were not secluded, right? They came across other groups of people. And those groups of people, whoever chose, like Rehab, again, it's an example I'm giving, right? When they chose the God of Israel, not the tribe, not like, oh, Rehab, I'm, I'm choosing the tribe of Judah, selfie, hashtag tribe of Judah, Rehab, former prostitute. No, I'm choosing to be joined to God. I'm not joining to a tribe. I'm joining to God. Eventually, from way back in, from Egypt, all the way to Jesus' birth, all the way to Jesus' birth, even Ruth, like, God's people are so diverse. They're diverse. So whenever I read about the the, the the Israelites being either they're fighting other groups of people or they're being attacked, the Israelite there is not just one tribe of people. They're not just black people. They're not just what caramel like looking people. They're not just white people. They're not just brown. Like <sighs> I get tired sometimes. But anyway, I'm not God. <laughs> By that I mean I can't I, I, I stopped taking things personal. <laughs> I'm that type of person who argues with myself in my head and I'm like, Nanini, you're literally watching a video and you're arguing. Your body's experiencing all these emotions as if you're actually arguing with somebody and it apart a headache for no reason. Stop it. What are you consuming? God is like, put down that phone. You're wasting time. Because God, the God who can change the hearts of men, and by men I mean human being, mankind, you can't, no, 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 you can't change the hearts, the heart of a man, mankind. You can't. Of a human being, you can't. Only God can. Because God will speak to that person in ways you can never, never understand. That's why I think in which episode, there's a previous episode that God had to check me, like actually check me. Um, Was it fail a lot? Get the creeps. I think it's fail a lot. I think it's failed a lot. I'm even remembering now and I'm getting a bit emotional. God was like, how dare you hate 
what makes you think you have the right to like hate huh check yourself nanini check yourself what makes you think you have a right to hate a human being you have no idea what's happening in that human being's life from the moment they were born and you think you have a right to speak down on anyone anyone dang anyway my point is when i read isaiah 58 verse 7 god telling us to provide to the stranger and give them shelter right even in the old testament i'm i'm reading the old testament in like i don't know deuteronomy those those uh, books i've come i've come across like other places where god telling them like they are one of you treat them like one of you if a slave is running away from somebody who wants seeking to kill him protect that person don't just hand them over protect them this is how you're supposed to solve like man So that's why I was like interesting because <laughs> when I read this about the um, <clears throat> provide the poor wanderer, the stranger, the foreigner with shelter, I'm like, hmm, I th- God, I thought you told it. That's why I was like interesting because I was like, hmm, I thought when it comes to like circumcision, you told us to, like cut him off, <laughs> to, like cut them off and chase them away. But because I, I as a human being, Sometimes I don't leave space for new ones. I don't leave space for for just understand reading things in the way they're supposed to be read. Because I'm just thinking right now and I'm like, when God says cut somebody off, that means that person has made the decision to not be joined to God. One, they know who God is. They have an opportunity to know God. And then they refuse to be part of God, right? One with God, joined to God. And so Abraham is told such people who don't want to be part of my people, my bride, then they separate them, right? They're no longer part of the group, part of the my people. If they are refusing me, they are not part of me. And so I'm thinking like, oh, okay, so when God is telling us to be good to people, it's not like with the intention of like, oh, I'll be nice to this stranger and then I'll like, you know, like I'll I'll force them to understand who God is. No, everybody is given an opportunity. Oh, Kwanzaa the Good Samaritan is a perfect story. That connects to this stranger thing. Because the Samaritan is seen as like... um like you're part of another tribe you're not one of us but he's the good samaritan who helps the jew right so god is saying i'm not a god who is for division and by division i'm like it's us against them that's not god god literally we chose to not be part of him as a human race and we chose to side with sin and the devil and the serpent 
and God himself who's not like us he's like he's the good Samaritan who finds us this is Ezekiel chapter 16 he finds us naked and wounded and bleeding and takes care of us literally by the way I'm now thinking about it the good Samaritan story that Jesus tells is Ezekiel 16 how God finds Jerusalem Israel and clothes her and wipes her the blood and nurtures her covers her so that's what God wants us to do with foreigners so that's interesting okay so God is saying is it not this this is the perfect this is the true fasting that God wants is it not to share your food with the hungry and to provide the poor wanderer with shelter when you see the naked wow to clothe them and not to turn away from your own flesh and blood then your light will break forth like dawn this breakthrough your <laughs> people talk about <laughs> i'm laughing and i have like a a title called breakthrough so like this breakthrough people look for after fasting or during fasting god is saying dude check your heart right then if you do what is righteous then your light will break forth like the dawn and your healing will quickly appear and then your righteousness will go before you and the glory of the lord will be your rear god then you will call um again i'm also reading this because of the building thing i think in verse 12 i came across something about rebuilding verse 9 then you will call and the lord will answer you will cry for help and he will say here am i if you do away with the yoke of oppression with a pointing finger nanini i'm calling myself out because sometimes i find myself doing that online like speaking to myself of course i'm not like typing things but i'm like how dare this person whatever whatever <laughs> so what is saying do away with the yoke of oppression with a pointing finger and malicious talk and if you spend yourselves in in behalf of the hungry and satisfy the needs of the oppressed then your light will shine in the darkness and your night will become like the noonday verse 11 the lord will guide you always he will satisfy your needs in a sun-scorched land and will strengthen your frame god will strengthen your frame strengthen your frame i'm assuming the frame like the body you know but also because the body is like a tent the tabernacle I'm imagining like strengthening your walls your covering so the law and and I will and will strengthen your frame you will be like a well-watered garden like a spring whose waters never fail verse 12 your people will rebuild the ancient ruins this is all due to the true fasting your people will rebuild the ancient ruins and will rise up the age-old foundations and you will be called a repairer of broken walls restorer of streets with dwellings if you keep your feet from breaking the sabbath and from doing as you please on my holy day if you call the sabbath a delight and the lord's holy day honorable and if you honor it by not going your own way 
and not doing as you please or speaking idle words, then, then, we're talking about moving from the wilderness to the promised land, then you will find your joy in the Lord, in, because you're joined, right? You'll find your joy in the Lord and I will cause you to ride in triumph on the heights of the land and to feast on the inheritance of your father Jacob. You're welcomed to the table to feast on the inheritance of your father Jacob. It's like the prodigal son. The mouth of the Lord has spoken. I really wanted to read that, especially verse 12. I mean, everything else, of course, but the rebuilding, because today's topic is about rebuilding and building or repairing. Now, I think I should just go to Nehemiah. Every time I want to say Nehemiah, I'm thinking Zachariah. Nehemiah from verse 1. Because I remember asking myself, did Nehemiah fast? Because <laughs> I was asking like, okay, I understand that there doesn't need to be like any perfect connections from this verse to this verse, this narrative to this narrative, this thread to this thread. But did Nehemiah fast before building the wall? <laughs> so I, he did. Anyway, so let me read Nehemiah chapter 1. The words of Nehemiah, son of... Oh, wait. Did I eventually explain why the head and the wall? Cinder, it means fence, tent wall. And in the previous episode, I talked about how with the chickens and the chick, the baby chicks, how God had been telling me, like, you need to build a fence. Right? You need to build a wall. Build the fence. So the wall needs, needs to be built. Or repaired but in my dreams I kind of felt like <clears throat> in one of the dreams <clears throat> in one of the dreams there were ho holes in the fence like large holes and the tiny chicks could actually just jump through the holes it was like the chicken fence like the um like a hexagon type of a fence and so the so I needed to repair that fence to strengthen the frame and and make sure the holes are not that big, you know. I needed to I needed to repair. And in the other dream, I needed to actually build a fence because I didn't have a fence at all. I didn't have an enclosure for the for the fruitfulness and to hold an enclosure that can hold a strong enclosure that can hold the inheritance, the multiplication, something that can like that, like a fence, a wall. So that's why I'm studying about this building and rebuilding, right? Because, yes, it's a continuation of the previous episode, but it's something like in my personal life, I can hear clearly God telling me like, we need to go back and strengthen. Even, um, again, I also listen to like... Um, transformation church not every sermon but most of them and last week's sermon was about strengthening your strength right and i was like wow <laughs> again god is confirming <laughs> what he has been telling me about this so this is again when i say like 
he's not by he i mean like the church the the sermon was not the only time like i i i had god confirm or i saw god confirm what he's telling me so that was just an example of like okay god has been speaking to me i'm not just studying this to continue a study i want to understand one i wanted to understand the fasting thing right i don't want to fast because it's the beginning of the year and people are fasting i don't want to be part of a just to follow the crowd i want to and i may not even fast this year no i mean like this month i don't know i don't know i don't know one the phone thing that one god doesn't need to repeat himself like i know that for sure but physical food like actual food physical food like actual food that one was i just needed to understand if does fasting is fasting tied to building or rebuilding or repairing like is there anything and excuse me oh there's another question this is another question let me ask myself this question let me read this question i don't have an answer to this right now and i don't even think i'll try to think about this right now but it's about fasting and it may not even be uh like a good observation maybe it's false in i don't know but this is what i asked myself on when was this january 8th this year i was like okay because uh, i don't know what i was listening to or maybe i was reading something and adam and eve and eating came to mind the fruit and so i was thinking about fasting and i was like wait eating the fruit god told them not to eat wait and then there's a question was god telling adam and eve to fast <laughs> that's my question honestly i asked myself on january 8th was god telling adam and eve to fast from the fruit of the tree of knowing good and evil because eventually god would have given them the fruit you know like wisdom the fruit is wisdom christ himself is wisdom he is the true bread he is the word of life he is life right so they're eating i'm remembering oh what god says about himself what christ says about himself when it comes to eating the bread of life he is the wisdom right we're supposed to seek wisdom um and then i continued and said um, man shall not live by bread alone but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of god i've actually just from reading about the mouth of the lord said this right so i'm not talking about a physical mouth but so jesus tells the devil man shall not live by bread alone and this is a time when jesus was fasting in the wilderness and the devil was tempting him and and trying to make him turn a stone to bread so that he can he can quench the not really quench that can satisfy the hunger the physical his physical body wanted to the devil wanted Jesus to satisfy his flesh but Jesus was not strengthening his flesh he was actually weakening his flesh right by not eating but he was strengthening Okay so I had paused for a minute so I want to read I oh I was talking about Jesus and fasting and then Jesus told the devil man shall not live by bread alone but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God 
and we know now that Jesus is the word of God and he says that we need to eat his flesh and drink his blood that's how we get life we don't only live by the physical bread we need to be sustained by Christ himself that's why I was point I was talking about in the question that I asked myself about Adam and Eve fasting like the fruit of knowing good and evil the wisdom right the true bread the word of god i was saying that to christ himself and then i said because god the reason why i was like cuz god eventually would have given them the fruit is because king solomon asked for the fruit he asked for wisdom and god gave him he asked for the for wisdom right and that's the fruit from the tree and god gave him wisdom So that's just a question that I'm not going to I'm just going to leave that here like was God telling Adam and Eve to fast I don't know I don't know but I do want to read Nehemiah why because it's about a man who ha- who was burdened and and was told to build to rebuild a wall and i just wanted to read this these are the verses that i had never read nehemiah chapter 1 so let me read the words of nehemiah son of hakaliah in the month of kislev in the 20th 20th year while i was in the citadel of susa hanani one of my brothers came from judah with some other men and i questioned them about the jewish remnant that had survived the exile and also about jerusalem they said to me those who survived the exile and are back in the province are in trouble are in great trouble and disgrace the wall of jerusalem is the wall of jerusalem is broken down and its gates have been burnt with fire again the letter het the eighth letter means fence struck wall right a tent wall like a wall or a hedge or a gate so when i'm reading this i'm i'm remembering like oh wait okay okay so they're saying to nehemiah the wall of jerusalem is broken down and its gates have been burnt with fire when i had these things i sat down and wept for some days i mourned and fasted and prayed before the god of heaven then i said lord the god of heaven the the great and awesome god who keeps his covenant of love with those who love him and keep his commandments let your ear be attentive to your let your ear be attentive and your eyes open to hear the prayer your servant is praying before you day and night for your servants the people of israel I confess the sins this repentance here I confess the sins we Israelites including myself and my father's family have committed against you we have acted very wickedly toward you we have not obeyed the commands decrees and laws you gave your servant Moses remember the instruction you gave your servant Moses saying if you are unfaithful I will scatter you among the nations but if you return to me and obey my commands then even if your exiled people are at the farthest horizon i will gather them i will gather them from there and bring them to the place i have chosen as a dwelling as a house as a chamber as a dwelling as a tabernacle as a dwelling for my name 
I'm imagining my dream about gathering the hens and building a dwelling for them, right? Verse 10. They are your servants and your people whom you redeemed by your great strength and your mighty hand. Lord, let your ear be attentive to the prayer of your servant and to the prayer of your servants who delight in revering your name. Give your servant success today by granting him favor in the presence of this man. I was cupbearer to the king. So Nehemiah was a cupbearer. Interesting. Reminds me of the cupbearer in Joseph's narrative. So chapter 2. In the month of Nisan, in the 20th year of King Artaxerxes, when wine was brought from him, I took the wine and gave it to the king. I had not been sad in his presence before. So the king asked, why does your face look so sad when you are not ill? This can be, not, this can be nothing but sadness of heart. I was very much afraid, but I said to the king, may the king live forever. Why should my face not look sad when the city where my ancestors are buried lies in ruins and its gates have been destroyed by fire? The king said to me, What is it you want? Then I prayed to the God of heaven and I answered the king. If it pleases the king and your servant has... No? If it pleases the king and if your servant has found favor in his sight, let him send me to the city in Judah where my ancestors are buried, so that I can rebuild it. Hmm. city. Then the king, with the queen sitting beside him, asked me, How long will your journey take, and when will you get back? It pleased the king to send me, so I set a time. Verse 7. I also said to him, If it pleases the king, may I have letters to the governors of Trans-Euphrates, so that... They will provide me safe conduct until I arrive in Judah. And may I have a letter to Asaph, keeper of the royal park, so he will give me timber to make beams for the gates of the citadel by the temple and for the city wall and for the residence I will occupy. And because the gracious hand of my God was on me, the king granted my request. So I went to the governors of Trans-Euphrates and gave them the king's letters. The king had also sent army officers and cavalry with me. When Sanbalat, the Horonite, and Tobiah, the Amorite official, heard about this, they were very much disturbed that someone had come to promote the welfare of the Israelites. I went to Jerusalem after staying there three days. I set out during the night with a few others. I had not told anyone what my God had put in my heart to do for Jerusalem. There were no mounts with me except the one I was riding on. By night, I went out through the valley gate toward the jackal well and the dung gate, examining the walls of Jerusalem, which had been broken down, and its gates, which had been destroyed by fire. Then I moved on toward the fountain gate and the king's pool, but there was not enough room for my mount to get through. So I went up the valley by night, examining the wall. Finally, I turned back and re-entered through the valley gate. I, the officials did not know where I had gone or what I was doing, because as yet 
I had said nothing to the Jews or the priests or nobles or officials or any others who would be doing the work. And then I said to them, you see the trouble we are in. Jerusalem lies, Jerusalem lies in ruins. And I'm just from reading about rebuilding of ruins in Isaiah 58. Jerusalem lies in ruins and its gates have been burnt with fire. Come, let us rebuild the wall of Jerusalem and we will no longer be in disgrace. I also told them about the gracious hand of my God on me and what the king had said to me. They replied, let us start rebuilding. So they began this good work. But when Sal Sanbalat, the Horonite, the Horonite, Tobiah the Amorite official, and Geshem the Arab heard about it, they mocked and ridiculed us. What is this you're doing? They asked. Are you, re are you rebelling against the king? I answered them by saying, the God of heaven will give us success. This reminds me of David talking to Goliath. The God of heaven will give us success. We, his servants, will start rebuilding. But as for you, you have no share in Jerusalem or any claim or historic right to it. And then now in chapter 3, he talks about the people who are building. So they, he continued, like, I'm not going to read everything because it's like that the listing uh, allocation, listing the names of the people who are rebuilding, and then they, they say, they repaired, they repaired. Let me go to NASB because I remember seeing like that thread. Yeah, made repairs, made repairs. So in the entire chapter three, they're making repairs and they have, so it's like, this is what I saw. I think God wants me to also take this as a, like a, like a thing to, to put into practice. I need to set a time. He set a time for when he would travel. I need to, one, I need to talk to God, right? And then I need to set a time. Because God has already spoken about rebuilding. I need to set a time. And after setting the time, the duration, I need to examine the walls. I need to examine. Because he went at night, just examining and looking at all the vulnerable places and just looking at the walls and the wall. He went up, he, he took the time to examine the wall. So I need to examine the wall. And then I need to, um, to delegate. To, and, and the delegation also, when it comes to me, like I know what I'm saying when I say delegate. I need to understand that. I don't have to do every single thing. If there's, um, if there's something I can use to make my work easier and efficient, and it's actually better than me in doing that specific task, I should do that. So that's the delegating thing I'm talking about. I should know how to... I should know I should know what I'm good at and what I'm not good at. Right? Because in verse three, Nehemiah is not the only one building. There's so many people building. And it in chapter two it ends of ends with them saying, Let us start now. Let us start. So 
whoever God is going to bring my path, an actual human being or human beings or or like a body, and I'm talking about like a collective, whatever, whichever in whichever space, maybe God is going to put me in or tell me to go to. The thing is, I think I should. I should. Um, I should not get used to, but I should be aware that God will send people to help and I should, I should accept the help. I should receive the help. I should be willing to receive the help. Okay. And again, it might be people and it might also be um, structures or, or um, what do you call this? Instruments or, <laughs> I don't know how to say this, right? help help doesn't the delegating thing does not only apply to actual human beings right so that's what i read and i was like this is very interesting i didn't read chapter four i don't know if i should let me read chapter four because again chapter three is them saying repeating about how um so and so made repairs so and so made repairs so and so made repairs they repaired they repaired now let me go back to niv nehemiah chapter 4 when sanballat heard that we were rebuilding the wall he became angry and was greatly in incensed he ridiculed the jews and in the presence of his associates and the army of samaria he said what are those feeble jews doing will they restore their wall Will they offer sacrifices? Will they finish in a day? Can they bring the stones back to life from... Ooh. Reminding me of the devil in the wilderness. Can they bring the stones back to life from the heaps of rubble, burnt as they are? Tobiah the Ammonite, who was at his side, said, What are they build? What they are building, even a fox climbing up on it, would break down their wall of stones. Hear us, our God, for we are despised. Turn their insults insults back on their own heads. Give them over as plunder in a land of captivity. Do not cover up their guilt or blot out their sins from your sight, for they have thrown insults in the face of the builders. Ooh, the builders. I think today's title will be Post to Post. I have that as a title. But it's like you're building from one, it's like brick by brick. Because I have that kind of thing, I, I usually say like building brick by brick. But I think it's post to post. It's a fence. You're building a fence, a wall, post to post. One step at a time. Repairing this part. Like chapter 3 explains like, okay, this part of the name was repaired by these people. Another part repaired by these people. So it's like steps, right? Verse 6, so we rebuilt the wall till all of it reached half its height for the people worked with all their heart. But when Sanballat, Tobiah, and our 
the Arabs, the Ammonites, and the people of Ashdod heard that the repairs to Jerusalem's walls had gone ahead and that the gaps were being closed, they were very angry. They, were, they all plotted together to come and fight against Jerusalem and stir up trouble against it. But we prayed to our God and posted a guard day and night to meet this threat. Meanwhile, the people in Judah said, The strength of the laborers is giving out, and there is so much rubble that we cannot rebuild the wall. Also, our enemies said, Before they know it or see us, we will be right there among them and will kill them and put an end to the work. Then the Jews who lived near them came and told us, Ten times over. Wherever you turn, they will attack us. Therefore, I stationed some of the people behind the lowest points of the wall at the exposed places, posting them by family, posting them by families with their swords, spears, and bows. After I looked things over, after I looked things over, I stood up and said to the nobles, the officials, and the rest of the people. Don't be afraid of them. Remember the Lord who is great and awesome and fight for your families, your sons and your daughters, your wives and your homes. When our enemies heard that we were aware of their plot and God had that and that God had frustrated it, we all returned to the wall each to our own work. From that day on, half of them of my men did the work, while the other half were equipped with spears, shields, bows and armor. The officers posted themselves behind all the peoples of Judah, people of Judah, who were building the wall. Man, it's like the wall of fire. God is the one who's protecting me as I build, right? Man. So I should be ready for attack. As I'm building, Nanini, you need to be aware that this, that sin is crouching at your door seeking to devour you. Wow. Hmm. Okay, the officers posted themselves behind all the people of Judah who were building the wall. Those who carried materials did their work with one hand and held a weapon in the other. Yeah. And each of the builders wore his sword at his side as he worked. But the man, but the man who sounded the trumpet stayed with me. Wow, this is reminding me of like putting on the armor of God. As I am working, I need to be... To to be covered verse 19 then i said to the nobles the officials wait in i think isaiah chapter 59 i read about the armor of god putting on the armor of god isaiah 59 literally the next verse after like the fasting thing in 58 interesting so verse 20 wherever you hear the sound of the wait verse 19 then i said to the nobles the officials and the rest of the people the work is intensive and spread out and we are widely separated from each other along the wall. Wherever you hear the sound of the trumpet, join us there. Our God will fight for us. Verse 21. So we continued the work with half of the men holding spears from the first light of dawn till the stars came out. At that time, I also said to the people, have every man and his helper stay inside Jerusalem at night so they can serve us as guards by night and as workers by day. Neither I nor the brothers nor my men nor the guards with me took off our clothes. Each had his weapon, even when he went for water. Wow. 
Okay, I'm not going to read the entire Nini of Nehemiah. Because I'm scrolling to see. But that's interesting. I love that. I think I should... I'm going to pause here. Let me read Isaiah 59, that part about the, the arm of God. Isaiah, because I read Isaiah 58. Now Isaiah 59, I'm going to scroll... and see mm -hmm. okay Isaiah 59 verse 17 actually let me start from verse 16 verse 15 the lord looked and was displeased that there was no justice he saw that there was no one he was appalled that there was no one to intervene so his own arm achieved salvation for him and his own righteousness sustained him he put on righteousness as his breastplate and the helmet of salvation on his head he put on the garments of vengeance and wrapped himself in zeal as in a cloak That's what I wanted to read. <sighs> okay. <sighs> so today's study was mainly about building, understanding that okay, this is this actually needs to be done, and also that fasting. I've actually understood something about fasting today. But I think I can say I didn't have that understanding before today. Fasting's connection to building. So as I'm so fasting is tied to building. I'm still going to have to like look more into that and study that, but that's a good way to start. You know? So thank you God for this study. Um Thank you for speaking. Give us a spirit of love and not a spirit of fear. I mean, you have not given us a spirit of fear, so it's not like you are giving us a spirit of fear, but protect us from all these unclean spirits. And fill our hearts, fill our houses with a spirit of righteousness, spirit of love, spirit of joy, spirit of peace, spirit of patience, spirit of kindness, spirit of gentleness, spirit of peace, of wisdom, spirit of discernment. Your one spirit, the Holy Spirit. I pray, Lord, that as we rebuild, as we build, as we repair, I pray, Lord, that you, the wall of fire that surrounds us, keep off the adversary, keep off the sin that is crouching at our door, 
You're telling us to hold the door. As you hold the door, you are our strength. Our strength comes from you. Not from our own works, but from you. Strengthen my left arm. Wait, wait. So they were working with one arm and holding a sword with the other arm, right? Yeah. Is the strengthening of the left arm apply here as well? Because if Nehemiah and the people were working with one arm and they would, they were holding the sword with the other arm, are they working with the left arm or like the right? Anyway, I'm sure it's just like they're saying like they were ready. One arm was ready to fight if it came to that. So strengthen my left arm. Okay. Praying for peace for my nation. Praying for wisdom for the leaders that you've put in place. You know why every leader is in the position they are in. From the teachers to the parents to the firstborns to um, the governors to the to the um, presidents protect us be the wall of fire around Kenya you know every you know everything that happens in this country we pray that you strengthen those who are protecting us those who are staying up with swords you know firearms in this nation staying up late to protect us may you strengthen them provide for them and their families any body like a body any collective in this country that is doing what is righteous that is taking care of the needy the hungry the foreigner bless them lord you know their hearts bless them provide for them protect them it's in jesus name i pray trusted and believing amen bye Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode. Hopefully you'll be joining me every Tuesday for new episodes of the Trying Podcast. Stay safe, guys. Bye.